This week on Kettle of Fish, actress Deborah Lamb stops by to talk about vampire schools and things that go bump in the night. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, sort of. The talk after the talk, sort of. The 20-minute comedy money shot. This doesn't even really apply anymore, does no, it, D? No, it really doesn't. <laughs> there is no more two hours of political foreplay. At least not now. Um, yes, the ignorance equation in its current uh, incarnation is now its former incarnation. Um, we are completely retooling what it means to be on the ignorance equation just because, you know, this is a really volatile political environment and... Even the strongest of people can only hold things for so long. So, um, yeah, we're going to figure out a different direction to go with that where um, everybody can really feel comfortable being involved and uh, it's going to be a lot more fun, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm a very empathetic person, especially when it comes to negative emotions Mm -hmm. and just all the hate and division. It was just it was overloading my circuit board, especially with the latest thing that happened with Trump. And um, his sexual, his what some people would believe is an admission of sexual misconduct on many levels. I mean, that just kind of pushed me over the edge. And I don't think there was any coming back. I mean, this was a decision that was long in coming. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was coming for a long time, I guess is a better way to phrase it. And I just, I had to opt out after four years. It was yep. just, nobody wants to sit down at the table anymore. And it's and, almost the holidays. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And the worst part is I'm going to have to change our theme music since it's not an after show anymore. But we've got plenty of time. Um, As most longtime listeners know, it is almost the holidays and we too have families and lives and I like the snow and hot chocolate and it's almost time for actually no in this town. It is time for the Christmas lights to go up. Um, We like many other cities, um, across the country chose to celebrate Halloween yesterday, um, mostly because, you know, Halloween being a weekday just doesn't work for a lot of parents, and we wanted to keep it safe. So I actually had the awesome opportunity to go set up uh, with a trunk or treat with CASA, which is Court Appointed Special Advocates, and um, we work for kids with kids. It's awesome. Um, and it's kind of weird because it's the first time I've ever been on the giving end of the candy, you know, cause we have kids and we usually go trick or treating with them and we'll do parties or whatever. And it's, it was a little, a little weird to be giving away all that yummy candy, but, uh, it was, it was really cool. So, uh, we had a couple thousand kids. And you were out. exhausted when you got it. Oh my gosh. I was, we're, we're talking. That brought you back to your lunch line days, huh? It did. Well over 2000 kids. I'm sure. Um, not including the teenagers and the odd-ended adult who decides they want candy, too. I want candy. Yeah, there's actually a lot of adults here that trick-or-treat, but we are, um, it was geared more toward those who are socioeconomically less advantaged. We'll be nice and political in, in how we say that. No, it was really cool. Um, so it's time for Christmas. 
and all of the wonderful things that Christmas means. Uh, so we are going to do our end of the year show. We do have something else on the way before that. But until then, if you start to miss us, folks, go to tincan.media. That's .media, not .com, just tincan.media, and you'll be able to see all of the new things we're doing and yes. um, working Drop on. Drop in three archives tomorrow, and we do mm-hmm. have another musical osmosis coming up with yes. the director of Heavy Metal Parking Lot. And So we do have stuff there sporadically. We're just yeah. not going to be on our normal schedule again to the first of the year. Mm-hmm. And we've got some new stuff from Unica coming. We've got some new stuff from uh, Mary with Uncustomary. Um, I'm sure that We'll, we'll probably put in a few extra because she happens to know that the holidays can be difficult for some people. So she wants to make sure we throw as much glitter into the air as we can. And it'll be awesome. Very nice. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about today's show. And by the way, another reason we have to change the intro, when was the last time we actually came in on or under the 20-minute mark? We always say the 20-minute. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we did that like once. Yeah, bad host. Okay, so today we've got iconic scream queen Deborah Lamb on the line. Full disclosure, I usually like about, let's say, 10 to 14 days to prepare myself for any given Mm -hmm. chat on the air. Uh, Deborah got a hold of me on Monday because she had been traveling. So I'm not sure how much we're going to get to. I'm not as prepared as I usually am just because of time constraints and everything that's been going on drama wise in our lives because she does fire eating. Um, she has her, her psychic healing page where she does psychic readings. She's a competent writer, um, ballerina on top credits. of being an actress. Yeah. So much. I, there's no way we're going to get to all of it today. But that's okay. It it happens. That's that's totally us. <laughs> all right. Let's get Deborah in here. Deborah, how you doing? Happy Halloween. <laughs> Nice. Wowzers. No one's ever started a show like that. Very nice. Well, hey, that's a I, good one. <laughs> now, was that on the spot live, or did you just play when you've already done? No, I just did it just now. Awesome. See, I <laughs> always wanted a, to do that. That was but... a special Halloween scream yes. just for you guys. Yes, Everybody a keep screamer after out my own for heart. the cops knocking on the door during this interview. Know, you all right, right in there? Yeah, that's that's why around Halloween you never hear me practice because I for the longest time I wanted to be a, a scream actor, like that's what I wanted to do because I can scream like I can scream. Um, but I like my daughter. My daughter will shatter your ears. Yeah, she has that really high pitched, shrill preteen screech. Like oh, it's a scream, like a banshee scream, where you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's right. painful." Yeah, no, I had like the blood curdling, somebody's murdering me in my sleep scream. So I always wanted to do that, but you know, it's so hard trying to find. A I place was, to I practice. was doing the happy iconic scream queen scream. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. For sure. All right, let's dig in here. I want now to that everybody's a- now that everybody's awake. <laughs> it's coffee. Oh, that definitely got everyone juices flowing. <laughs> Hey, I want to thank you for calling in. I know this has got to be a busy time of the year for you, calling in right at Halloween. Sure. You've been busy, doing a lot busy. of traveling and making a lot of appearances, I imagine? Well, not so much appearances. Uh, just, um, let's see, about a week and a half ago, I did a PSA for um, Iggy Woods uh, Asthma Foundation. Wow. And yeah. And um let's see. Uh I think I may have said his first name incorrectly, the famous 
football player, if I can get Yeah, you got me at a disadvantage here. I knew nothing about sports. <laughs> That's so yeah, well, anyway, that, that was really fun to do. I just uh, completed a film called The Unhandyman, which is directed by uh, my friend, director Steve Oakley. Um, nice. If, if anybody's... Uh, would like to go to my page on IMDB, the famous international movie database uh, website. Uh, you'll see the unhandyman. I played Lucy Barnett. I actually play a producer in, it's a comedy, but it's got elements of horror. So it's going to uh, make a lot of horror fans happy. And as well as just people who like silly comedies. So I just completed that. I just completed a film called Repulsion, which despite the uh, the name is actually a drama and not a horror okay. uh, film. And uh, I just, I actually worked on quite a few things this year. I worked on a thing called Cut to Black. Which yes, is you actually, sent me that. Yeah, it's actually a, um, a short film uh, for the, uh, uh, for suicide awareness, bullying, Slash suicide and depression awareness. Awesome. So, but it doesn't come off like a PSA or anything. It's actually a pretty intense little short film. It's only yeah, it six is. and a half minutes long. But I play the abusive alcoholic uh, mother, and abusive is actually an understatement uh, for that role. So I just did that, and uh, I've just been busy, 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 busy. Well, let me this touch year. on um, Cut to Black, because when you sent me that, and it, and of course on YouTube it pulled up some other stuff, and I had watched Cycles of Loon and a little Yo. bit of um, Reunion, and I, it got me to thinking, when you do shorts, because you know you're going into a project that's not going to be seen by as many people as an actual feature film, and because it's so short, you're talking probably less than 20 minutes for most of them, does it take as much creative energy and passion going into something like that? Or is it kind of like just a really short work day? You go in, you do your thing, and you come out of it? How invested are you in doing a short as opposed to a very long process of doing a feature film? Well, for me, um, I'm a trained actor. Uh, I've had lots of training. I'm I'm back to training uh, at the Beverly Hills Playhouse in San Francisco. So I take every role very seriously, even if it's just a couple lines, um, which normally I have larger roles than that. Uh, I usually have uh, principal roles in, in the things that I do. But depend, But no matter whether it's a larger part, even if it's a short film or a feature film or a smaller part in a shorter film or feature film, I take every role extremely seriously and I put a lot of thought and examination into my characters to make them as real and as um, and, um, authentic. I, I the word. Authentic, thank you. That's a good word. Um, and uh, something that will be effective to the audience or the viewer. Um, so as, as much as I can do, uh, no matter what. A lot of the time, though, I um, get a role... Uh, kind of last minute so that I don't have a long time to prepare. 
but even if I do need to prepare, you know, within a matter of a couple of days or a week, or, you know, sometimes I do have longer, I do as much work on that character, getting into the skin of the character and uh, bringing in my own life's experiences into the character to, to make that person, make that character a real person. Wow, that's interesting. Let me ask you this then. The after fact, you know, you get a role, you've been invested for six months in, you're living that role, you get a short that you kind of go in, and I don't know how much time a short takes as opposed to a feature film, but I'm sure it's a lot less. How long does it take you to decompress and kind of get out of that character's mind frame after the fact for a short as compared to a feature film? Is that process exactly the same too, or is it a lot quicker bounce back? You know what? That's pretty much the same also with the character I did for um, Cut to Black. It was a very intense, heavy role. And even though it's a very short film, I mean, the film itself is only six and a half minutes. And my part in it, uh, you, what you see on film is not that lengthy of a scene. Um but it it was so intense that uh, it did stick with me for a couple days um, because I did bring a lot of my own personal. It stuck with uh, me just as a viewer. Yeah. Oh wow! Well, great. See, then I did my job. I could still see your face just snarled up, just degrading mm-hmm. your daughter over and over again. Mm-hmm. That was pretty intense. Yeah, and most since we were filming in a very small space. The majority of the crew were actually in the next room and as well as the producer. And so uh, when we were done, they all came out and they were like trying to uh, they were trying to catch their breath. They were <laughs> saying, oh, my God, that was so intense. <laughs> I can only imagine, man. All right. Let me shift gears here because. I've been digging into this, and I talked to you a little bit on the phone as well, so I feel like I kind of know you, at least on a surface level. I know a lot about you. I'm going to ask you something, and this is because of my own struggle I'm going through right now, and you seem like somebody who would be able to give a lot of good advice. We did our political show for four years. I'm going to kind of put a long point to this sword, so indulge me. But um, we did our political show for four years. And before that, I was, you know, nobody knew who I was. I was in a band for a while. We put an album out 100 years ago. But outside of that, I've never been in the public arena. And maybe this last year, I started popping up on people's radars and got offered to do other projects and stuff. And I stopped being Nick Katsouris. And when I would go back home, we're in Tennessee now. Back home is Virginia Beach and D.C. area. Uh, people would start just kind of seeing me as like this fucking political cartoon character, like a Stephen Colbert character. And it, it was like you couldn't walk into a party and tell a dick joke anymore. I was this political guy. And what drove this home is I went to a wedding, a dear friend of mine's wedding, drove 10 hours out there to go to this wedding. And people are like, hey, tell me about Trump or tell me about this political thing. Or what do you think about what's going on with Hillary? And I had to finally tell people at the end of the night, like, hey, I'm off the clock. Like, this isn't something I want to talk about. There's more to me than just this political component of my personality. I have other things that I'm passionate about and enjoy. And they got it like a little bit like slighted, like, oh, you're not going to do your thing 24 hours a day. As somebody who's very recognizable as a screen queen, do you have a problem like I do? And do you have any advice, too? of people having a problem separating Deborah Lamb, the 
horror icon scream queen and deborah lamb just the human being who has thoughts and passions outside of the horror genre like do you have a problem with people separating the two because i'm finding that to be a problem after about only a year of being in this game i'm actually um a very private person as far as keeping my home life and my and my family and my uh you know close-knit friends uh, separate from my persona, but there definitely is a persona, uh, maybe, you know, obviously not as much as somebody like, you know, Elvira who has Elvira and then she's also Cassandra Peterson. And then she's also Cassandra Peterson, the actress and Cassandra Peterson, the personal person. I don't have nearly that much of, um, you know, an issue going on. Uh, of course, I do have a lot of fans through Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram, you know, telling me, oh, I liked this movie. I loved this movie. And it's so funny because I have I have a huge amount of fans who love, they really, truly love the movies that I did in the 80s and 90s. And um, there was a period of time where I felt like I had to start separating myself from the Deborah Lamb of the 80s and 90s and the Scream Queen image because, you know, I felt like, well, I have to be, you know, a serious actress here and da-da-da and, you know. But I found that the times that I did try to separate myself from that or maybe kind of downplay that, it's like um, <laughs> it's like Godfather Three. They keep pulling me back in. Yes, you know? yes, so, exactly. So now, um, you know, like William Shatner with Star Trek. I'm sure he had so many years where he was just like, "Damn Star Trek! I can't get away from Star Trek." You know, and he finally, you know, seems to become one with his, you know, Captain Kirk uh, persona. He can't get away from it. So it's the same thing. I I think that for me to try to say, oh, I'm Deborah Lamb, the serious actress now, and, you know, I'm shunning Deborah Lamb, the screen queen image, it's just not ever going to happen. It's just not, because I, I have too many fans that love Beverly Hills Vamp, that love The Invisible Maniac, and some of the other films that I did, and, you know, uh, I... Oh, I owe something to those films and I owe something to Frenel and Ray and, and those people and Gary Graver, um, you know, who has passed away and the, who directed evil spirits that I starred in with Karen Black. So, you know, I owe my beginnings to that. So for me to try to say, oh, I shun the scream queen thing. And, you know, because I'm off to be a serious actress now, I think it's just, um, idiotic for me to, to even try to do that because, you know, my whole deal is you need to be grateful. I, you know, I have a lot of gratitude just for everything that's come into my life. So I'm, I'm now embracing, you know, this whole scream queen thing and the fact that people know me more as a scream queen for the films that I did than, than they know for the current work that I'm doing, which a lot of it is very serious dramatic, dramatic type roles. And so, you know, hallelujah, 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 praise, praise Bozabob or 
whatever. You ha, know? Ha. <laughs> so, so you know, bring on the uh, the fans of the B horror films, yay! You know. <laughs> but let me get to the crux of this. Is there a time and place? In other words, we drive ten hours to a wedding. We're seeing a bunch of friends we haven't seen in two, three years. Um, some of them even longer than that. And I start getting bombarded with people that I just kind of know in passing that just want me to start going on political rants in the middle of a wedding reception. Am I an ass because I'm kind of like, hey, guys, I'm off the clock. Just let me enjoy this wedding. Or do I owe something to every single person I meet where I'm like, all right, let's mix it up politically. Hopefully this will blow up into a big argument in the middle of a freaking wedding. Yeah, that's different. Uh, you definitely have to um, draw the line, you know, uh, have your boundaries. So that's that's quite different because – you are trying to enjoy yourself, and plus, any kind of political discussion you'd get into or political questions you're being asked or people wanting you to discuss, that's, that's you know, then it gets into work. You know, that's more serious. You have to put your thinking cap back on, or your, I'm, I mean your work cap, uh, your work persona, and that's different. You know, it's it's quite different than having people ask you about Beverly Hills Vamp or, you know, working with Eddie Deason or working with Karen Black or some of these other, or Tony Todd, which I kill in Disciples, the film, the Joe Hollow film I did a few years back. And so, you know, here I am uh, working with all these iconic uh, horror actors who are known for being in all these horror films. And, uh, you know, so I definitely can't complain if somebody's asking me about that because that's fun. You know, that's just fun. Yeah, stuff. but I imagine your like, line has yeah. to be with the sexual component of it, right? Because you do appear topless in many films. Do you have, oh, like, true. the gratuitous dick pics or guys being inappropriate with you? Because, oh, I saw you topless in a movie, so I can just oh, come up and be right. a vulgar as I want. You have to deal with that stuff, right? Well, you know, I have been called this thinking man's scream queen. So I'm very fortunate in that even though I do, I have appeared topless in, in several of the films I did. Um, and even up to like four, four years ago, you know, in a couple films that I did a disciples and a blood story for those guys who want to see me topless. Yes. You can still see me topless. <laughs> right, right. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if I'm ever going to uh, be of an age where people are not going to want to see me topless. <laughs> the day will come, I assure you, but um, <laughs> it's not here yet. But you know, I think you still have plenty of time. <laughs> I am very fortunate. I have the greatest fans on earth. I ninety nine percent of my fans are very respectful and very friendly and fun. You know, very rarely do I get somebody coming along who crosses the line and gets out of hand. And, you know, I will, I'm nice enough where I will give them a warning, but I won't give them a second warning. So uh, it's unfortunate, but I did actually have to block a couple people. But out of the thousands of, you know, fans out there, it's probably more than that. But the ones that I'm connected with through social media, um, um, then yeah, the, it's a rare occasion when somebody gets out of line and I will give them a warning and mostly, most of the time, you know, they get it and they, you know, shape up. So 
<laughs> well, and, One you know, warning. That's all you get, straight people. <laughs> what's remarkable to me, digging into you and all things Deborah Lamb and going on your different sites, is I actually pulled up Creepers 2, which is a book that you wrote for. And I looked yeah. at and, and my bread and butter is kind of looking at the trolls and having my pulse on the finger of how people react to different political threads. And I kind of go into everything with that mind frame. And I looked at the Amazon ratings and 92% were four and five stars. Four um, stars were 12%. 80% were five stars. 8% was three stars. And you had no one or two stars. Now, and three stars is just average. And you only had 8% of that. Everything was above average. Every comment was nice. I went on all your YouTube videos. Every comment oh. was respectful and complimentary. I go on your you or your Facebook sites and on the threads on your fan page and your personal page. I don't see you getting any haters and trolls. That in and with itself is like a gigantic achievement. That's a huge achievement that you don't get trolled by anybody. Every the Dalai Lama probably has negative comments on his books on Amazon. But the book you wrote for doesn't. Like, it's crazy to me how much love and support that you have out there. I don't ever see any kind of you getting bombarded by negative comments or anything. Well, and that's wonderful. You know, I I do not go around looking at, you know, um, like ratings and things like that. So um, I'm not too concerned about that but that's great that you looked at that and it's wonderful to hear that um i'm very loving and respectful of other people and uh i i'm just not mean-spirited at all i i think there's room for everybody to be insanely successful i you know especially um you know all the filmmakers out there and and the ones that are beginning where uh, they could, you know, some other person could easily be judgmental and say, ah, your films are crap or blah, 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 blah. And, or, you know, some, some female who might have a sexy picture. I have a, uh, a friend, uh, another, I, I guess she would be considered a scream queen. I know she's been called that. And, you know, she's had negative comments on her, you know, she'll put up a sexy picture, which I find very nice and sexy and nothing wrong with it. And she'll have some negative comments on there by other women. And I think it's a, it's just a shame that. Yeah. How do you other, escape that philosophy yeah. of hate? Cause I don't see you getting sucked into like that vortex of trolls. Everybody just seems to like, everybody just seems to be very respectful and very happy just to interact with you. I I'm lucky then, I guess. Um, but again, you know, I spread, you know, I'm just all about love and I'm really very much into quantum physics and I study quantum physics and I, you know, study uh, just a manifestation and bringing, in a, bringing about the things you want in life. And there's no room for hate. There is no room for negativity. Um, you know, even as an actor, you have those days where you're like, oh man, I'm never going to make it at all. I'm a failure, you know, and I have those moments too, but I snap right out of it because I know that if you get stuck in that negative thinking, you're going to bring about negative energy and there's no room for that. You have to, 
Yeah, you just have to keep plugging away and doing the very best you can and treating people the very best you can. And, and the most, the very, very most important thing is you really, you have to make it a habit every day. You know, you're not always going to be totally successful, but every day, be your own best friend. Love yourself. Be your own best friend. Compliment yourself remind yourself you you have to remind yourself of your and i would add in too bet on yourself bet on yourself yes. to make it yes yes exactly and uh now i'm i'm one of the very lucky ones i have a husband and believe me i have a ex-psycho husband who was completely unsupportive and hence the ex part of that <laughs> and besides the fact that he was psycho so that didn't help but I, I've been married to a wonderful man for almost 10 years, and he's so supportive, and he believes in me. And, man, that really, really, really helps. Um, so for the people out there, because uh, I didn't always have that, um, and it makes it really difficult. So all my fellow actors, performers, filmmakers, radio hosts, you know, anybody in the arts, painters, artists, you know, and just everyday, you know, people who have, have regular jobs and don't have don't have the um, uh, the ability to uh, or they're not in the situation where they can where they feel like they can go for their dreams. All those people, you know, out there in the world, um, the you know, it's a struggle. Life is a struggle, so everybody has to. Uh, find their support system, surround themselves with people who are there for them. And if they are with people who aren't there for them and don't give them that love and support, you know, really seriously think, you know, about trying to get yourself into a, a situation where you're, where you do at least if, even if you're all alone, I would rather be all alone and have my own self, you know, giving me my own love and support than be with people who don't give me that love and support because it's just such a waste of energy. Well, let me touch on this last point because we've only got a few minutes left. I actually want to get to some Halloween stuff too, but going on what you had alluded to. Yeah, I knew that was going to push your buttons, but let me get to this last thing because it is remarkable to me. You were in this genre for 15 years, got pulled away for almost 15 years and had to go back to just living a nine to five life. And then you got yourself out of that situation. Like you just um, inferred to, and now you're Mm -hmm. back on track. Those 15 years are those totally dark years. How do you go back after like being out there and having that success and having that adulation? And I hate the word fame, can't stand the word. Let's just say notoriety or being on the public sphere. How do you go back to just the drudgery of, all right, now I'm going to go work as a cashier or an accountant. I don't know what you were doing during those years, but how do you make that shift? That seems like a fucking impossible shift to make just mentally and spiritually. Yeah, I I did um I did I was just doing regular jobs and then I was the buyer for a, a injection a plastic injection molding company. I was the buyer for the maintenance Wow, that has fun written and, all over it. <laughs> and then I I worked for a company called Granger, which is a, a actually a worldwide uh company and I worked for them for 10 and a half years. But it wow. was it was that alone was hell. But I tell you I had a job and I was supporting myself and I was surviving 
And the fact that I just survived the ex-psycho husband and survived that situation and um, went through several years of major depression. Um, I, I was clinically suicidal, like, for a very long time. It was a very difficult time in my life. And I made it through. I actually made it through. So, you know, I, I have to give myself a lot of credit for getting through all those dark years and now being able to turn it around. But I also have, as an actor, I have a wealth of experiences to draw from for a lot of these dark characters I play. that's true. And the crazy thing is, and I just, I've got to bring this up, is you kind of made your comeback through Facebook of all things. Facebook is kind of what helped you propel back into acting and the public sphere. I did. It's because of my, it's because of, I was just working at Granger full time. I said to my husband, my wonderful husband that I've been married to, uh, Eric, I said, and this is several years ago, I said, look, I am so depressed. I don't know what I'm going to do. If I, if I have to work at Granger for the rest of my life, I mean, nothing on Granger. It's a great company actually, but I'm just going to, you know, I might as well just blow my brains out now. So I said, well, there's two things I love. One is my psychic stuff and one is my acting. And I thought, well, I have a full-time job. It's been ages. I I can't possibly get back into acting. So I'll get back into psychic stuff. So I created a website, which is DebraLambPsychic.com, which is up and running still. I've had it for several years. I still do readings. um, So if anybody's interested, you could go there and check it out. Um, and then uh, later on, when I did get back into acting, I created my website, thedebralam.com. That's my acting and production website. But I, uh, my girlfriend said, hey, why don't you get on Facebook to promote your psychic, uh, your psychic website and your psychic business? And I said, all right, fine, I'll do it. So it was just after a matter of a very shortly, I think it was weeks, you know, I started slowly getting back. Uh, you know, connecting with a few friends. And then I started reaching out to my old actor friends, you know, like Frank Stevens, Linnea Quigley, um, you know, all these people. And, you know, and then the list goes on and on. I can't possibly uh, say all the people. But uh, through Facebook, I started getting all a flood, literally a flood of people coming to my Facebook page and saying, Deborah Lamb, where have you been? And they all said pretty much the same thing. Deborah Lamb, where have you been? Where did you go? You know, you so it's a thought process. Like, man, I should have done this a long time ago. Or are you just so like overwhelmed with love and support that you're just on cloud nine and you don't even think in the retrospect? Uh, yeah. At first, at first, I did not think retrospectively. Um, I did think, oh my god, are you kidding? What what is going on? You know, and I would have people, I love your movie, Beverly Hills Vamp and the Invisible Maniac. And I'm like, are you kidding me? People, I, you know, I have a fan base because of these films. And then I slowly uh, just all these people started coming to me. I started getting uh, offers to read people's scripts and be in people's movies who were fans of mine when they were kids. And now they're adults and they're you know, fledging, fledgling or budding filmmakers and, and then some more established filmmakers who were fans of mine as well. And even today, I, I'll go and friend somebody who is an established actor and 
I'll introduce myself or say something to them. They'll say, oh, I have been a big fan of yours for years. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's, it's, it's just That's hilarious. That's got to be so, amazing. Yeah, it was. And then later on, I did, of course, have that thought of, holy Jesus, I should have done this years ago. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to look back too much if I can help it. <laughs> That's true. All right, I'm going to keep you a couple minutes over because i got to hit some Halloween stuff. And let me tell yeah. you, we had a psychic comedian, Christine Bellick, who's actually doing a podcast on our network now. Right, Dee? Tincan.media? Yes. Are you still with us, Dee? I am. She has Starlight and, Astro Chats. Yes, and, and she did all of our readings, me, you, and Fern, on the air, and and I kind of was really skeptical. You remember when we would go places, I'd stop in here and I'd be like some kind of um, palm read, and I'd be like, oh, were you expecting me? You should have been. I was kind of a snarky smartass about it, but were. I had to tell you. And, and I'm, I said you kind of were, and I'm the opposite because I studied Wicca and – um, you know, different astrology and all that kind of extensively in high school. So I was like, you know, come on. But she nailed it. She nailed it on all of us. So now I've kind of got, I'm looking at it with new eyes as Fern would say, let me kick this over to Deborah. Is this something you've been, have you been interested in the darker side of things? Were you big on horror when you were a kid? How long have you been into doing psychic readings? Um, is this something that's just kind of encoded on your DNA, or is this a slow process that you got in, into over time? Uh, actually, it began when I was really young. I had a lot of interesting experiences. I saw things that other people didn't see. Um, uh, I had a lot of experiences that would later on I understood to be pol- poltergeist activity, um, can we find and, these all in one book or do you have different stories on your page and blog form or how do we access those stories? Um, actually I have not, uh, I've, I've touched on it a little bit here and there on my, on my DebraLambPsychic.com website. Uh, it does talk just very in general terms, how I got into things, but it basically started when I was a kid. Um, I think I might've, uh, told a couple of the stories on, uh, you know, in an interview here and there, like quite a while back. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of interesting experiences. Um, I would see my spirit guides, um, and I had a very difficult childhood. So I think that helped me help get me through. I had some other experiences that I don't share with people because they're just so unbelievable. But um, <laughs> maybe you I want think to be people want to know. It should definitely be in a memoir. <laughs> Absolutely. What the one that the thing that really got me, um, that really got me into studying um, paranormal type of uh, things was my mom moved us when I was fifteen. She moved us from Portland, Oregon, to L.A. And uh, we were actually homeless for a short period of time. But then uh, she found a guest house, you know, obviously behind a bigger house in Beverly Hills. So it was a tiny, tiny little Let me clarify real quick. When you say homeless, do you mean living in your car? Do you mean couch surfing? What what is homeless? Um, A little bit of sleeping in the car. And I mean, it's kind of fuzzy right now, so I don't know. I can't remember quite all the details. Um, so at first, it was 
sleeping in the car with me and my sister and my mom. And um, I think it was a different, we've been actually homeless a few times while I was a child when we moved to the, the Los Angeles area. Later on, we were given some help through a church um, who we stayed with a couple different people who were kind enough to, you know, help us out here and there. But when we first moved to LA, I think it was just sleeping in the car at first until we got a tiny little place. And then the house, the house that was in front of the guest house was empty. And so the owner agreed that if we would paint the inside of the house, we could stay in the, in the house. Um, you know, until it got rented. So we stayed there just for a short time. But we were in that house and the house is totally empty. We're in this, all this, we're sleeping on the floor in this one room. And this is uh, before school started. So um, actually this is when, just when school started. So I just started. And you're started, what, 10 or 12? No, no, I was 15. I was just starting my sophomore year I went to Beverly Hills High School but I was the poorest kid in the school I mean I was wearing Goodwill clothes and you know the other kids would laugh at me and I was Man, a bit of an outcast well you know frankly I was so used to being the poor kid in school that it wasn't you know as devastating as you would think but it was it was pretty sad yeah but, <laughs> but like, anyway, was... you get used to it once you've done it like a lot I, I was a very much the same way like I always uh-huh. I, I have this thing I um I have to try not to revert to the and when we lived in our car blah 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 story because yeah I had one of those <laughs> um so yeah but yeah I mean you, you just kind of get used to it you know after a yeah, while yeah you're like... you're just on survival mode yeah so you you know yeah you're not I wasn't I wasn't in a victim mode. I didn't right. think of myself as a victim. It's just I life, just felt you like, know. you know, this is we're just surviving and yeah. we're just doing what we have to do. So but this one experience that I had in this empty house, I was taking a shower, getting ready to go to school early in the morning, and I had a um it was we had seen the Amityville horror the original one with Margot Kidder and wow that's going way back yeah I remember that movie yeah and it it scared uh, you know I pooped my pants it scared me I didn't literally poop my pants but it it scared the shit out of me and um but I wasn't allowed to see the exorcist so I hadn't seen the exorcist yet at that point uh so but that really scared me and um I had seen it uh just recently in fact, I'm pretty shocked that my mom actually let me see it. But anyway, because um, she would, she was pretty protective. She didn't let me see a lot. So I, but I had a poltergeist experience that morning, which was really, really frightening. The whole bathroom shook. I, you know, and of course California earthquakes, but it wasn't an earthquake. And I thought maybe it was the pipes, but it wasn't, it, I could tell it wasn't the pipes. It was just the weirdest thing I had ever experienced. And then I heard this demonic growl, like in the bathroom and it scared the holy bejesus out of me. And I was think I was very conscious of the fact that maybe this is just some 
maybe it's an earthquake, you know, so because uh, I thought I heard the pipe shaking. So I ran into the bedroom where my mom and sister were sleeping, which was right next to the bathroom and the doors were open. And I ran in there and, uh, you know, I shook them and I said, earthquake, earthquake. And they're like, what, what? And there was no earthquake. And they were, they didn't hear a thing. And it was just what the weirdest thing. What do you think separates I'd... people like yeah. you from the normals out there who have never experienced anything paranormal in their life? Do you think it's just tragedy that opens you up to being like, to being able to break that little ethereal barrier and reach beyond? Or do you think it's just a gift you're born with? What do you think causes that, that you're able to sense things that others can't? I think it's um, a combination of, you know, it's just in your DNA, uh, just something you were born with and environmental, just like other components of where, you know, just any other thing where Ill, any kind of illness or mental illness or any emotional just difference that you might have. You know, there are people who um, who smell colors or who, uh, what, what is it, the thing where um, they feel, they feel, they could pick they up an see, object and they, sense its history. You know, those kind of things too. And just anything that is, you know, not considered the norm. It's, it's, I think really it's all a combination of um, biological and, you know, something that you inherit uh, and environmental. Um, so I think it's something I was born with. Uh, and, but, you know, we're all psychic. We all are psychic. And D, you know, you, with your experiences and your studies uh, that you have the interest in those Wiccan and different kind of pagan uh, studies. And, and I, we are all born psychic. And I say that on my website, too. You know, there's not one of us who is, doesn't have the gift of the sixth sense. It's just part of us. It's, you know, Does it just everybody get beaten has out of sense. us by life? Do we just yes. all become skeptics? Yeah. Yes. And plus, when we're kids, you know, kids see things. A lot of kids see things. Oh, hey, mommy, I saw Aunt Gertrude that died five years ago. Oh, no, Johnny, you're just uh, imagining things that your imagination. You know, I had a lot of those things where I would tell my mom stuff when I was a little kid. You're just making this up. You're just it's just your imagination. You know, so we're trained. We're we're definitely trained. It's take it's it's beaten out of us. Yeah, we're brainwashed into thinking that those kind of things aren't aren't valid or real, right, Dee? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it starts at a at a very young age when we're told that if if mom doesn't see it, if dad doesn't see it, if it's not on TV, it's probably not real. So that little thing you okay. saw in the corner of your eye for just a second, or that that time you heard somebody call your name right before you fell asleep or, you know, that feeling you get sometimes when you walk somewhere and it's dark and the hairs on your neck kind of prickle up. Oh, that's nothing. It's not, it's not anything real. Um, yeah, right, I mean, exactly. very much, yeah. very much. Well, let me interject here. What is the most intense experience you've had as far as psychic reading something? I mean, 
I, I don't want to say something terrible, but something very impactful that happened that you sat down with somebody and told them was on the horizon or something where someone came back and said, your advice saved me here, here, and here. It changed the trajectory of my life. What's the most intense story that you have as far as being in the psychic reading game? Well, I've, I've gotten that quite a bit um, where, where people, you know, I'll tell people whatever it was I told them. And it was very impactful and meaningful. Uh, a lot of the readings I do are just very validating. You know, people are trying to make a decision or they just need a little push in the right direction. Um, and then other, others are definitely more life and death. Um, of course, I can't tell you any particulars because I have a strict confidentiality like, can you rule, sense a but, vibe off me and D? Like, can you kind of nail what type of people we are, just mixing it up with us on the air for a half hour? Sure. Um, no, I was just going to say that I did, uh, I was able to intervene with somebody who was um, very seriously in danger of killing themselves. So I was able to uh, wow. be, you know, able to help that person. And I continued helping that person for for quite a long time. Uh, so there has been some really intense ones and, uh, yeah. And, uh, so as far as you, uh, Nick, and you like to be called saucy is a nickname. Saucy. That's the nickname I was given years ago in my punk rock days. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for you, um, what I'm seeing is, is the color black and the problem with the color black <laughs> is what you're, man, what you're, what you're doing is um, you're, you're, you know, even though you're out there and you're outspoken and I've never heard any of your shows and I, I haven't met either of you before just your contact for me to do this show. So I know really nothing about you. Um, but even though you mentioned, you know, your political thing, so you're out there. And of course, in this particular election, it's it's very like uh, there's a lot of you know really heated emotions going on here with the with the candidates and um, even though and I don't even know what side you're on and I'm not concerned about what side you're on uh, but even though you're known for being outspoken you're still covering the candle with the cloak with the black cloak you need to take that cloak off you're holding back. And I agree with you, you know, in social, in social situations, you should just cut it off. You need to have your private time. You need to have your fun time where you just can, you know, you know, boogie down and have a drink or whatever. I don't know if you drink, but if you don't drink, I'm you drinking have a, right now, you know, as a matter of fact. Well, there, well <laughs> whoop de doo there you go. Good for you. And, um, you know, but there's this black cloak over you. And I think it's because. When you were a teenager, uh, you were repressed, and when you were in oh boy, school, was I? Okay, so don't say anything because I don't want to get any clues. So when you were in school, I think you were kind of a preppy guy, but that wasn't who you were. You were really a rebel, but you were kind of being pushed into that no, role. No, which no, I was definitely uh, a headbang. Aussie shirt, okay. long hair. L listen, listen, you don't don't mess me up. So okay. um, when I. When I say you were being pushed into a preppy role, not that you were preppy at all, but your parents had a particular, especially your father had a particular idea for you, 
but that's not who you were. So, you know, obviously you broke out of that, but there's still some in your family. I see your grandmother, uh, for some reason, your grandmother seems like she was very matriarchal and very proper. So, but you loved her. Um, uh, and I think a part of you, there's a little bit of part of you that's still like, you know, there's a little part of your, your child person that is still holding you back. And I think you really need to break out. You need to break through that um, glass. It's like there's this thin layer of this thin layer of glass, which is so thin you can see right through it. It's not foggy or anything, but you still there's still that invisible layer, and you have to break through that. I think once you're able to really break through that, and even though you're a headbanger and a punk rocker, I get that. There is something holding you back, and um, and because you're like right there, you're just right there. And all you got to do is take one lat, you know, you got one foot in the light, one foot in the shadow. If you just get that other foot out into the light, you're there. So I think, I think that's the message for you today. Well, it's indoctrination, right? Because I come from a Greek Orthodox family and they were Okay, well, there you go. There you go. So what I'm saying is you are 90% there. You need to get that other foot into the light so that you're 100% there. Because I think you're really, really, with whatever you're doing, and I don't think it's even, I'm not even talking about this show. There's something other, other there's some other project that you're working on that you just need that extra, you need somebody to stick you in the butt with a little sharp pen just to, to, just to make you jump. You need to finish making that leap. And, and you then need what to take happens? A Is that a positive and then you thing? Need, yes, you need to take the leap and you need to take that parachute off. I think there's one there's one little little thing that's holding you back. I what think if that the little thing that's holding me back stops me from being a complete fucking psycho. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I feel like I keep myself in check because if I don't, I'm going to be a raving lunatic. <laughs> well, then be the best raving lunatic you can be. <laughs> I don't know about that. Nobody wants to see me as I mean, I've lost so many friends too over this political garbage. That's one of the yeah. reservations I have and why I've pulled back more so now mm-hmm. than ever is because I've just lost so much and to see f- no forward movement. So it's kind of like, okay, uh, you know, since I stopped, wa- I used to get deleted and I don't have a lot of friends on here. I keep my Facebook pure. I don't just mass add people. I add people who I actually know and people who I'm interested in. And working with on the show. So I've got like 550 friends. And I used to lose friends weekly. And since I stopped talking politics, everybody's cool with me now. They're like, cool, you shut up. Cool, I, like, I can still be your friend. And I'm, I mean, I've ended actual real friendships just because I fall on this side of the political fence instead of that side of the political fence. Mm-hmm. And I think it's bullshit. And it's really kind of crippled my ability to get out there and speak freely because somebody's always going to want to beat you down. And it's just too right. much and loss. I, yeah, and I think I think for you, see, for me, I have my own political, um, my own political beliefs, and and I I think that I would be on the side where I'd get stoned, you know, if I if I if I I'm said probably right my. With you. <laughs> I I have a feeling we're probably on the same side just from the 
the hints you're giving me. But, um, but uh, you know, but polit- politics isn't my, my thing. So that's not where my passion is. But it sounds like politics is where your passion is. So yes. you have to go with your passion and your beliefs. Um, I do understand what you're saying, though. You, 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 you know, you don't want to lose, like, everything. But the, the problem for you is, that's your thing. That's your stick. That's your, your niche. So if politics is your niche, the, if you water down your own beliefs for the niche that you've chosen, if this is your chosen field, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, but I mean, it's such a, it's such a delicate, you know, thing though. It it is really hard. So I can't I can't tell you what to do. You have to do whatever it is you feel is best for you, and whatever that is. Um, all I can tell you is what I see. And when I put my focus on you, when you asked me to say something about you, I saw a black cloth going over a candle, and that is you. There is a cloth that is. Um, you know, going over your light and you, you're doing it yourself and you need to take that black cloth out, off. Now, whether you decide that's worth it to you to do or not, that's solely your decision, but there is a little something holding you back. And so that's my message to you is there's something holding you back. Now, do you want to stay where you are or do you want to let let it fly, you know, let your, let your inner witch fly through the sky on a broomstick. That is the question. You know, that's what I wrestle with every day. All right. Last thing I want to hit on, cause we have gone way, way over. How Oh, but I was going to get, I was going to get D real quick. Oh, oh, if you've got the time, we've got the time. Hit it. Oh, okay. Yeah. D for you. I see flowers. I see uh, very colorful spring like flowers, which is funny because, uh, it's a dichotomy to uh, what you put out there for your image, but your your energy is so is so colorful, and um, and I I love it that you're into the uh, the Wiccan and pagan stuff too, because obviously uh, you're going about it with a lot of love and a lot of caring and healing. So what I see for you is. Um, uh, for you to go into a healing type of occupation. So, you know, you, I don't know anything about you at all. I don't know what you do uh, besides you're on this radio show here. So I am I take it that you're involved with some to- type of um, entertainment, at least to some level. So I also see you doing a lot of healing work. So I don't know, you're probably already into this, but I see you doing crystal healing and possibly even Reiki, along with um, your uh, entertainment work that you do. And I think with the entertainment work that you do, there's also a lot of room to reach out to be a healing force. And God knows we need all the healing and love we can get in this world. So whatever it is you're doing, you're on the right track. I think you need to even do more. Get into it because there's something you want to do. Um, and then I also see something about children. Oh, you mentioned the uh, the Christmas 
thing for underprivileged children. So mm-hmm. that's great. So everything like that that you can be involved with, that's you're on the right track with that. And I think you're going to be a big, big force in bringing a lot of love to a lot of underprivileged kids. Awesome. Yeah, that completely makes sense. Um, I'm actually pursuing uh, something a little more mundane, but uh, I will be uh, getting my degree very shortly in human services. Um, and part well, of that's, he- that's yeah. healing in general, because if yeah. you're going for human services, that means you want to do something to be a help to humanity. Yeah. And I'm very, well, I'm a cancer and I'm very, very nurturing. Um, it's just, that's my thing. I used to work in a kitchen at a school and before that I was a CNA because I'm all about feeding people and nurturing them and caring for them. Yeah, exactly. Ah. So, um, but when I'm done with my degree, I want to probably work with, um, I wanted to work with either children or veterans and, um, do transitional living therapy, um, kind of helping them get away from who they were and what they had to do to get where they are. So that way they can work on where they want to go next. So, yeah, that's cool. perfect mm-hmm. for you because, and then with your own previous experiences of being homeless and mm-hmm. being in a situation where you needed, you could have used help, whether you got help at that time or not, I don't know, but I'm just saying, you know, you were, you've been in, uh, you know, disadvantaged situations, so you can completely um, relate. And then, you know, I do like crafts and make bows and anything that has to do with a glue gun and or glitter and rainbow stuff. I'm all about it. So, yeah, that totally makes sense. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah, I I was picturing like actually... um, these uh, flowers, like, um, I can't think of the name of the flower, but a particular kind of flower, the kind that you see, you know, these pastel-colored flowers, the kind you see during Easter a lot, and, like, a wedding kind of thing and yeah. uh, decorations. So I was p- kind of picturing that kind of a oh, thing. Yeah. So I figured My favorite is actually... Artistic. I don't know if they have them. I, sometimes they have them in grocery stores. They'll have, like, daisies that have been colored, like, bright neon, just insane amounts of color. And I'm like, those are my favorite. Oh, yeah, those. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those. Daisy. That's that's the flower I was thinking of. Daisy. Yeah, I couldn't think my of favorite. the name of it. But, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, sauce. for you, definitely just keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're definitely uh, going after your life purpose. And I think uh, as you continue with your life's experiences, you're going to get into even a bigger, um, uh, let's say I can't quite think of the word, but you're going to expand on your uh, caregiver type of role in in life, and you're going to do great things. Good, because I got some ideas rolling around back there. Yeah, no one deserves it as much as you do, Dee. I'm sure there are people who do, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> All right, let's hit this last thing. You know it's always an interesting show when you run this much over. Um, Deborah, Halloween plans. What is the Scream Queen? Why don't you give us another scream and then hit us with your Halloween plans? Okay, here comes the scream. Beautiful. Nice. Oh, my neighbors are going to love me. Um <laughs> Oh, my poor bird. I scared my bird. Aww. I'm sorry, Lucy. I'm sorry, Lucy. <laughs> She's okay. 
So <laughs> I have a cockatiel, you know, they have those feathers on their head and and when they get alert, alarmed they stick straight up <laughs> yeah you're ruffling feathers <laughs> so my big halloween plans are to enjoy a day off because i have been working non-stop for this whole year has been just a uh, non-stop activity and and uh especially the last couple weeks just uh, you know, so I'm going to enjoy a nice, quiet evening at home with my Halloween decorations and my glowing pumpkin with the glowing red eyes and big mouth and watch some scary movies on TV. And let's see, this morning we were watching some of uh, the old uh, Dark Shadows TV show, the original. Yes. Amazing. I love we were that. watching that. Oh, and Dark Shadows with Johnny Depp. We were watching that last night. That's one of my favorites. Um, and, you know, just the old black and white ones. And let's see, the the thing from outer space was on, I think, yesterday. I miss. I kept missing things because I've been so busy. But today I'm going to find a nice, fun Halloween movie and just kick back and have a couple shots of tequila. That's what I'm going to do. Heck yeah. That sounds like an amazing Halloween. All right, we are way over. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for spending an hour. Can you believe it? An hour with this, Deborah. Tell everybody <laughs> where they can find you online and what projects you have coming up because I know you're a busy little bee. Well, okay. So if anyone's interested in a psychic reading, and I do uh, do those over the phone, so I do them remotely. I also do past life regressions. Uh, Dee and Nick, you guys are invited to partake in my uh, services. And that's at DebraLamPsychic.com. And you can also check out my acting slash Lamlight Productions website, which is TheDebraLam.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm also, I also have a Debra Lam fan page on Facebook. Uh, you can check out my movies, uh, my films on imdb.com, and that stands for International Movie Database, for those who don't know IMDb. Uh, I am also on Twitter as the Deborah Lamb. I'm yes, on Instagram are. as the Deborah Lamb. So, and this is, uh, you know, this is kind of a joke between me and my friends, but this is a thing, you know, this is just meant to be funny. So, I got to do it, though. I'm Deborah Lamb, bitch. Don't you know who I am? Nice. Nice. (laughs) So that's what should we be looking out for? (laughs) What's your next project you got coming out? I'm working with a director called Dustin uh, Ferguson. I'll be going uh, in about a month to go shoot a film called Campfire Tales Two. And uh, let's see what else. Um, I've got a, oh, a film called Lake of Shadows I'll be filming in the next month or so. And uh, right now, those are the two things coming up. Uh, I have a Western I'll be doing. And uh, oh, plus I have my own projects I'm working on. Uh, but I can't talk about those right quite oh, yet. Oh, I was just about to ask you. All right. Yeah. I'll let you off the hook. Thank you so much for calling in, Deborah. This has been a very enjoyable hour. Woohoo. Happy Halloween, everybody. Thanks for having right me back on. Right back at you. And we'll have that archive up soon. Cool. All righty, Dee, are you ready to take us home? I am, and since it is one of our Halloween shows, I will leave everyone with one of my favorite, favorite 
Halloween-ish songs. From it's not Monster Mash, is it? No, actually, it's from Steve Miller Band. Have a great Halloween, wow. everyone. All right. 